All right. Well, uh, take your Bibles, if you would, and open the book of Daniel in chapter 1. I'm going to read some uh, with you in a moment. First, I want to ask you a question. So, uh, no, uh, no colored nerds? Is that what you gave out? Something like that? Um, so what do you want to be when you, what do you want to be in your life? If I ask you that, if I just came up today and said, what do you want to be? You want to be a carpenter? Okay. What do you want to be? Something that makes money. You'll never actually get that. Yes. You want to be a police officer? Yes, sir. What do you want to be? You want to be a firefighter? Anybody else? Yes, sir. You want to be a photographer? Yes, ma'am. You want to be a veterinarian? Okay. You want to be a stay-at-home mom? So everyone, yes, everyone except you, I'm going to ask this question. What are you doing now to become that? Life doesn't start out there somewhere. Life is lived in the present. In fact, the Bible says you have no promise of tomorrow. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. And to have dreams about tomorrow, that's fine. But there's a truth that I want you to get from Scripture that you have to engage in now. Daniel chapter 1, if you have your Bible, I want you to, we'll read just a few verses. We'll look at more of it. But beginning in verse number 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, uh, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding, the that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. I want to have a word of prayer with you, and I want to talk to you about this truth and, and you to get this. You are becoming what you are. You will be tomorrow more of what you are today unless there's a change in what's going on in your life. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we look into your word and uh, Lord, uh, just be, be good to us as you always are. Help us, Father, to, um, to be serious-minded for a moment about your work. Not, not sad, just, Lord, uh, intentional and deliberate that we would engage your word right now, knowing that you want to transform our lives through our minds and that you want to do a work in us. It, f- Father, inform us, but also uh, convict us and, uh, and help us, Lord, to uh, surrender to make choices, Lord, that build a different tomorrow, perhaps, than we're living today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I say this to you, that the Bible uh, teaches us or establishes this truth that you're becoming what you are, that's not some kind of like cycle babble that you get from the school counselor, okay, that says you can be anything that you want to be. That, that may or may not be true. I don't know. I'm fairly certain I'll never be a professional basketball player ever in my life. Um, it's a good thing I didn't want that, huh? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I'll never be six foot tall in my life. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of things that I just can't do. I mean, that's the, that's the fact of the matter. I can jump, 
as long as I'm up high and I'm jumping down, okay? <laughs> I can jump a long ways. I've jumped out of airplanes. I mean, I can do all those things. I can jump, okay? But not up so much, but down. I can, I'm, I'm good with that part. There's, it's, the truth of the matter is, is that most of us waste a lot of our life before we ever start living the life we should. And what happens in that time is we become sort of sponges, and what we, what we become sponges for is what's going on around us. So we begin to be shaped by what everyone else is doing. And so they call that peer pressure, right? I, I, don't, I mean, you can call it that. I don't care. But the truth is, is if we're not going somewhere deliberately, then we're being shaped by something. We're always being shaped anyway, but, but we have no deliverance about it. So it's just whatever comes along. Here's the story of Daniel, and uh, we just had them in the Bible trivia quiz, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys. But they're amongst a, a huge group of people that were taken captive. In fact, if you look in the first uh, verse here, just the sort of first couple of verses to see this truth, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. And so uh, understand how they got where they are. When we get here, those verses are them being carried away literally from one country to another. They were in the country of Israel, really Judah, the southern kingdom. Now they're, uh, this is the second or I guess of of the captivities. There are three uh, captivities of Judah that go on. And Daniel and uh, all of the sort of princes and a bunch of the people are carried away from Jerusalem, really, into Babylon uh, by the Babylonians. And they're there now as captives. The question is, why? Why? Why did they get there? And why to Babylon? Why did God allow them to go to Babylon? Why did, how did they end up there? Well, here's how they ended up there. They worshiped the gods of the Babylonians. And they worshiped other gods of other heathen nations. You see, the, the people of Israel had this problem that they constantly struggle with throughout the Old Testament. You don't see it so much in the New Testament um, for a lot of reasons, but you see it constantly right up until this time when they go into captivity. And here's the problem. The problem is they could never be faithful to God. They were always mixing other gods in. Do you know who really institutionalized idolatry in the kingdom, in the nation of Israel? What king? Anybody know? The worst king in the, in the nation of Israel's history. No, Ahab followed on, and he was in the northern tribe. When I say this, I'm talking about the nation of 12 tribes before they divided. Ahab was a follower, though, of something that was set before him. Yes, sir. Jeroboam, no, Jeroboam was also a follower of that which went before him, very closely before him. The king that established, really institutionalized uh, idolatry in the nation of Israel and the worst king for the nation of Israel was Solomon. Solomon is the one who went out and had 300 wives, and we read about it in uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, how uh, you know, every one of those wives were taken from other countries, uh, and he followed their gods. 
And it was for that reason that the kingdom was divided into ten uh, tribes and two north and south because of the, uh, the, the idolatry that he brought in. And what they did is they constantly said throughout their history, we want to be like those heathen people. Okay? You can see it all over. You just read the Old Testament, and here's what you see. They'll say, we want to be like them. In fact, that's why they had a king. They had a king because they, because they said, you know, they had a king before this. Don't buy the lie that they didn't. But God was their king. This is a theocracy. And God said this, I'm going to be your God. You'll be my people. I will rule over you. He gave them uh, clear things. He was the leader. He was the king of the nation of Israel. He was a heavenly king, but he was still the king. But they wouldn't take that. They always said, we want to be like them. Their heart's passion, their mindset, although they had moments of going back and forth in these little revivals, if you want to call them that, what they did is they said, we want to be like the heathen nations. Where do they end up? The northern kingdom, a couple hundred years before this, in captivity to the Assyrians, one of the most ruthless, wicked nations around. And the southern kingdom now, at this time, through a few series, uh, in captivity to the Babylonians. What are they? Heathen nations. Let me explain this to you. What they really were in their heart, they became. They were pursuing the things of the heathen nations. Uh, They wanted to be like them. And all of a sudden now, they're brought into the midst of them. Because what what you are, you're becoming, or you're becoming what you are. And whatever it is that you're desiring, whatever it is that uh, the content of your mind and life are, uh, that it it makes you what you are. And so you have, uh, out of this group, there are a bunch of them. I don't have a number for you, but there are a bunch of young people who fit this criteria. And the criteria is that that we read here in Daniel chapter 1, it says... Verse 3, and the king spake to Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, listen to this, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might uh, teach the learning and tongue of the Chaldeans. And so here you have these young people. Listen, I want to tell you that many of these people are your age, these young people. Uh, Your age, maybe a little bit older, uh, many of them, but they're people who are well favored and listen to the criteria that uh, that they would be uh, skillful in wisdom did you catch that these were people uh, who had uh, a great deal of training and and uh, understanding of many of the things that we talked about this morning and they were brought in now so that they might be taught the way of the Chaldeans okay those are the Babylonians so they take let's say the best of the young people, many of the princes of the nation, of the royalty's house, and of uh, different leaderships uh, families, and they bring them in, and they're beginning to teach them things now so that they would become uh, like the Babylonians. And the transformation is one that's intended to be absolutely complete. In fact, uh, here's what we learn in there, that they change their, they change their, uh, their location, of course, and then they, uh, they're uh, to be taught. We just read this, right? Uh, they're taught to be learning, verse four and tongue of the Chaldeans okay so learning means this all of their education now their science their theology their history all of those things was to be changed from uh, learning uh, of the of the word of God and of the people of Israel the history of Israel which really is the word of God and it was to be changed into learning the language and the facts and the thinking and the philosophies of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. They were to do all of that. Not only did they do that, but they changed their names. 
Okay, uh, the, these ones are picked out because they're the ones highlighted here. But uh, Daniel, uh, you know, God is my judge. That's what the Hebrew word Daniel means. God is my judge. His name was changed to, uh, to Belteshazzar. Uh, this is a good one. Lord of the straightens treasure. Everybody go like this, huh? It was just after their gods. So all of these boys, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, their names uh, spoke to attributes about their relationship with God or who God is. God is my judge. And, uh, you know, uh, are we worshiping only God? And all of their names are now changed into things that gave loyalty or uh, gave uh, uh, uplifting to gods of the Babylonians. So everything was changing in their life. Everything. And it was on purpose. This is what happens. This is what's happening in our country today. What really was happening is that their worldviews were being changed. And they went from what should have been, they really had done this to themselves, but what should have been a, let's say, mosaic law-centric uh, worldview or biblical, at that time, worldview. The word of God that they had existed in the writings of Moses and, and, uh, and a few others of them, right? Uh, and so their worldview or how they shaped the world, their philosophies were all to come from that. And, and it was assumed that they were. And so now they're taken to the Chaldeans and everything is changing, okay? Their names are changing. What they know to be true is changing. Their theology is changing. Their diet is changing. Everything is changing. And that's the intention. The intention is to make them so that they can stand now in the court of the Babylonians or of the Chaldeans so they can serve there according to the norms of a heathen people. So they're taking God's people and they're changing them through their minds, really, uh, uh, in every area of their life. Everybody got this? It's simple, isn't it? Sometimes we read this and we think it's just a matter of some food. That's not what's going on here. That there are a bunch of young people. We have the names of four. Keep remembering this. How many were there? How many were there? There were a bunch. We have the names of four. There were a bunch of them. Most of them are unnamed. In fact, all but four. But there wasn't only four. There wasn't only ten. There were a bunch of others. And you, you know this because at the end where we read that they're brought in to stand before the king and these four stood out above all the others. So there's a bunch. Let's just say it. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a high school full or whatever you want to say the number is. There's a bunch of them, but there are four and as you zone in on them, everything's being done to all of them, okay? All of them are having their names changed. All of them are being taught the learning of the Chaldeans. All of them are, are being, uh, being taught the, the, the language of the Chaldeans. Everything was changing in their life. And it was being forced on them. And um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand out. And they stand out for one reason, don't they? Who knows what it is? They didn't want to eat the food that was offered to them by the king. Why not? Yeah, it was food knowingly offered as a part of the ritual of worship to false gods. And Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Meshach, and Abednego said, we cannot eat that portion and be faithful to our God, right? And so, of course, they did. I mean, you know this chapter. We can go verse by verse through it. It's fine, but um, they went to, the, to, let's say, the keeper of the 
of, these, of this large group of people and said, we don't, we don't want to eat this. We want to eat according to what would honor our God, okay? And he said, you know, no. Why should I risk my neck for you? Why, if you, you'll end up being skinny, they'll end up being uh, strong and masculine, right? And, uh, and, and then all die because you didn't turn out. And so they go to the guy below him. I like that, right? It's often more productive to go to the guy below maybe than the guy over, I don't know. And they said, hey, test us. If you really want to get something done in your church, go to the youth pastor. It's far better. It's far better. When the pastor says no, ask the youth pastor. <laughs> I'm just, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> so they said to the guy, listen, just test us. Test us and give us this to eat and see where we're at. And listen, if, if, if we don't turn out as well, if it doesn't work, then we'll do what you want. And so they did, uh, right? I mean, you know the story. We could have had one whole Bible trivia thing out of this and everybody would have answered all the questions. But, uh, but uh, they, they said, listen, we'll do that. Just give us this to eat. And, so, and he did. And he gave that to them for, uh, for a period of time. And he looked on them after 10 days. And it says, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. So Melzar took away the portion of the king's meat. There you see it again. All the children that did eat the portion. So you have these four and everybody else. And these four are not eating it. Everybody else is eating it. And everyone else is going along. And so uh, Daniel and, I mean, the other people are probably eating, you know, Chick-fil-A. And, uh, and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are eating pulse, Okay. The very word pulse is somewhat repulsive, isn't it? It's like a green smoothie. Is anybody, I mean, just really why when you can have peanut butter and banana? Uh, why would you have a green smoothie? Think about that, you know. Well, it's good for you. Let me help you with this in life. This is aside from my message. I'm not preaching right now. Anything that makes you throw up is not health food. Write her down. That includes like canned spinach. When they put it in front of you, say it's good for you. No, no, because if I eat that, I'll throw up. It's terrible. It's texture. You have, to, you have to figure this, though, don't you? That if you got a whole group of people, let's just say we got right here. We'll just say that you're a lot of people, right? And we have four good people in this group. I need four good people. There we go. We'll just use one. You've got the look. A one, two, three, four. These are good people, okay? And the law of their God says we can never smile. We cannot eat ice cream. We cannot talk. And um, we don't brush our teeth. Right? And everyone else has been living that way. Ew. And then you get carried away. And suddenly you begin to learn to smile. Go ahead, you can smile if you'd like to. Ah, that worked. And uh, you can brush your teeth. And you can eat ice cream. How many of you are for that? Yeah? And you can talk. But these four, they don't. So you all are over here eating ice cream. One, two, three, four. You guys are eating ice cream. And you're talking about it. And you're smiling. These things sort of go together, don't they? Rocky Road is better. No, I don't think so. I think mint chocolate chip is better. You're talking about it. 
and, uh, and you're smiling. And when you get done, please brush your teeth, okay? And you can do that. And these four aren't. What are you going to say to them? What are you going to say to them? Not you. What are you going to say to these four? Liar. You're going to say this. You should try this. This is good. Aren't you? It's kind of like beware. I mean, if you know that ice cream is good and they're not, they're not you, you would be saying to them, why are you doing that? Why are you not going along to get along? Everybody is doing this. It's okay. We're not in Judah anymore. We're not in Israel anymore. You don't have to go by these old-fashioned rules anymore. You can smile and eat ice cream and talk about it, and, and uh, you can brush your teeth. It's okay. And they're saying, no, 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 we want to honor God. You're like, but, but you don't understand. This is good. Ice cream is good. There's a place, listen to this, you can't eat ice cream. There's a place up in uh, Washington called the Snow Goose. One double scoop ice cream cone costs $10. I thought, that's crazy. And then I went in there, and I had a coupon for one, and they give you a waffle cone that they make, and two scoops of ice cream, I'm not kidding, I have pictures to prove it, they're like this tall. It's like a meal of ice cream. And it is the best meal you'll ever eat in your life, you losers. Why are you stuck on God, God, God? That's what you'd be saying. And that's what Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Abednego, that's what they heard. Why are you stuck on this? I mean, we're in the land of Babylon. We're being trained for a new future. Our future looks great. It's not what we expected it would be, but our future is going to be to stand in the court of the most powerful man in the world. And all you have to do is go along. All you have to do is, is eat the food that he gives you, and you're not even doing that. And so they faced a lot of pressure. So I have to ask you a question. Why didn't they just go along? Why didn't they just eat the food? Why? Tell me. Tell me why. Yes. Yes. That's true. But if you'd asked the others, they would have told you the same thing. You want me to tell you why? Because of who they were. Because of the character that they had and therefore the desire for obedience to God. See, the other ones had the same knowledge, much of the same upbringing. But when it came time to, to just demonstrate that you are a child of the Most High God, they just went along with everybody else. They allowed themselves to be completely reformed in their life, in their thinking by the Babylonians. But four young men didn't because of who they are, because of their character. Their character equals commitment to God. Something was different about these boys and it was that they had a character that had said this, I want my mind to be the mind of God and I want my life to serve the God of my mind. It's who they were. And look what happened at the end of the day. 
Remember all of you people out there indulging in your rocky road? And By the way, can I just say this to you? Never have sugar-free ice cream, ever. <laughs> Why would you do that? I was preaching a youth camp. You're going to love this, uh, a junior camp. They were like fifth graders and below. And I said to this, I said this. Do you know what the problem with ice cream is? These are little bitty kids, and they go, it's high in sugar content. (laughs) I mean, I literally literally did this. I looked at them, I went, no. Uh, (laughs) What is the problem with ice cream? Someone goes, it can cause you to have diabetes later in life. I'm not kidding you. I'm not making this up. This is the truth. I was like, no. What's the problem with ice cream? And one of them goes, I'm not kidding. It can cause you to have cavities. I said, dude, you're going to have cavities anyway. That is not the problem with ice cream. What is the problem with ice cream? There's never enough. It always runs out. That's the only problem with ice cream. Goodness. Listen to me. This is really simple, but I need you to get this. They were, before they were taken away to Babylon, these same people. Back there, everybody looked the same to a great extent. They were going through the same cultural practices and, you know, what they did, what their neighbors did, and all of those things. But now all of a sudden the pressure's on. And they had to decide who they wanted to be, not just in that moment, but later in their life. And that was based upon who they were today. Because what happens? Well, first of all, here's what happens. You don't know the names of any of the rest of them. They're they're nameless entities. But you know four. And those four have got a testimony that has made a difference to this day in the lives of people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Having the faith to go and, uh, and defy the king to his face with a flaming furnace behind them and being thrown in there and then seeing one like unto the Son of God in there and being brought out, men dying that bring them out and they're being brought out and when they're brought out, uh, they don't even have the smell of smoke on them. They have a testimony today because of who they were then. And Daniel. Daniel served as an advisor to every king of seceding empires in the same place. The Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians. Until the day that he died, Daniel was a man that was sought after when there were problems. And they would say this, we know that you can tell the meaning of dreams. And he said, I don't know the meaning of dreams, but my God is the giver of dreams. And he was faithful at all that time. Why? Listen, he was thrown in a lion's den because he was faithful. They were thrown in a furnace because they didn't bend. All of those things happened to them. And lots of other things. Why? Well, because the future that they lived was built upon who they were right then. 
Had they made a different decision then? Had they not had the character at that moment to say this? No, we're not going to serve and uh, partake of anything that dishonors our God, but we're going to stand firm for our God. They never would have been the people that they were. There'd, no, there'd be no record of a fiery furnace and three people coming out of it. Had they begun to capitulate then and didn't have the character then, if they'd been different people inside then, you wouldn't know that story. They'd have no testimony today. Why? Well, because you're becoming what you are. And if you're a person of character, according to the word of God, that's renewing your mind on the word of God, listen, you're going to continue to become that. But you listen to me. If you're always looking for every way to look like the world, you're going to do that for most of the rest of your life. No, no, I mean, I could write down millions of names that you don't know. I couldn't write them all down, but you understand this. Our churches are filled with people who uh, they, uh, they know things, right? And they've made some profession of faith, no doubt, most of them, although not all of them. And yet when you look at their life, their life is not lived according to anything to do with God and truth. It's lived according to the loudest voice of the culture. Why? Because that's who they are. And at some point, they came to this point where they just said, no, that's who I am. I'm my character. I'm just going along with that. Now, they wouldn't say it in those words, but there are others, right, who have said, and you know them. Some of them you might even think are weird, right? But they have said this. I'm not going to bend to this culture. I'm not going to give it. I'm going to serve my God with the mind of my God, and I'm going to do it no matter what. And they made a decision here. Check this out. I used to go to a youth camp when I was a kid. I was saved very young. I was born into a home. My dad was a missionary. And, and uh, I didn't, I mean, I, I say this, I was in church before I knew I was in church, you know. I, I, I never had a choice about church. Never knew, I didn't ever know there was a choice to be made, to be honest with you. So there was this girl at youth camp from uh, Riverton, Wyoming. Two sisters, but one was my age. And after a while, as I got a little older, we went somewhere else, and we didn't go to that youth camp anymore. And um, and about five or six years later, I met her again, right after I graduated from high school. She had just graduated from high school. If she finished, I don't know, actually. But she was that age. She had a baby got pregnant at youth camp. Well, that's weird. Isn't it weird that one person got saved and one person got pregnant? They're making decisions about their future. See, she decided some things about her life and they marked the rest of her life. I I don't really have contact, of course, with her. I once in a while, hear something about her. She's got a couple of kids, maybe three now, married to a man who's not the father of those kids. I'm not being, I'm not being judgmental about any of that. I'm telling you that that wasn't the future that she would have said she wanted. And really, between now and then, the future that she's lived from that point to now is not a future that really honors God. It didn't bring her abundant life. She's not in church if she's even saved. I don't know what happened. Well, she became what she was. There were other kids in the same youth camp, though. There were other kids 
that I personally know that surrendered to go to the mission field same time. They've now been to the mission field and are, some of them are really old and old enough to maybe be coming back pretty soon to retire. They're in the same camp. They heard the same preaching. They went to the same churches. Two completely different futures. Why? Well, because they made a decision about who they're going to be in their life. And they started to become it then. Because you're becoming what you are. And tomorrow you're going to be more of what you are than you are today. And if that's something is, is carnal, let's say, if that's disobedient, if that's lost still, you're going to just be more of that today. You say, preacher, can you be more lost? No, but you can be more bound. And you're going to be more of t- tomorrow what you are today. And a lot of us sit around in our life and we think, one of these days I'm going to get this straight. One of these days I'm going to get right with God. One of these days I'm going to stop doing this and start doing that. No, you won't. One of these days is not on the calendar, young people. What will matter is what you decide with commitment today. Not just agree is a good idea, but say this. Here's how Daniel is described, that he purposed in his heart that he'd not defile himself with the king's meat. Why did he do that? Because of who he was in that moment. And what was the result? He became a leader, really uh, almost unparalleled in ancient Near Eastern history. Not one that destroyed people, but one that rescued people and honored God and and saved, really, uh, dynasties from foolish things. Why? Because of who he was. When was that determined? Well, back here somewhere, he made a decision that said, I'm going to be this man. And he just became more of it every day. Every day that you get up, every day you sit in a church, every time you hear a message from the Word of God, that challenges you about something in your life, you make a decision in that moment about not just who you are, but who you're going to be tomorrow. And who you're going to be in five years. And what kind of a parent you're going to be. What kind of, a, what kind of an adult you're going to be. Not just what kind of a kid you're going to be. Can I, can I say this to you? I know there's pressures on your life. But it, it's easy to be a good kid when you live in a Christian home and grow up going to church. It's easy to be a good kid. It's the norm. It's the cultural peer pressure on you. But you really got to decide what you want to be out there. Because whatever you are today, say, preacher, how do I know what I am? Well, your character. Tell me what your character is. Tell me what character is. Someone. What's character? Nope but it can affect your personality. Yes. The traits you pick up through life. I agree that character is uh, formed that way, but that's not what character is. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's who you are on the inside. And listen to this. That's the simple definition. But character is what makes you do, what in you makes you do what you do consistently. Not what you do occasionally, Okay. So it's what you do consistently. What you do no matter what the setting you're in is, is what you do consistently, right? So it means that if you have a certain kind of character, you're the same person at home as you are when you're out with your friends, as you are when you're at school, as you are when you're at youth group. That's your character. 
The common thread through all of them is your character. Now you can act out of character, can't you? You hear about it all the time. Guy shoots his family and shoots himself and dies and the neighbors all go like, I just never thought he was that kind of a man. That's just not what I, that's just so out of character for him. Well, I mean, I hope so. I hope that's not his character, but, but character is what makes you do what you do consistently. And your character is either after Christ because your mind is after Christ or your character is after the world. But you listen to me today. Your character won't, grow, your character won't change because you turn 18 or 21. Yes, that's right. Your character won't change because you own a Bible. Your character will change when you make a decision about who you want to be now because tomorrow you're going to become more of what you are today. Well, what decisions do I have to make? Well, you have a decision about if you're a believer, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, you have a decision about following Jesus, don't you? Following Jesus is not a slogan. It's a life lived. It's a mind renewed. You have a decision to make about, about obedience. You have a decision to make about sin that's in your life. There are lots of, this is one of our great challenges at, at, our, at your age. I say our age. I'm a little older than you. I graduated in the, never mind. Um, <clears throat> is that we make these professions, but we spend most of our life playing around with sin. And we're playing and playing and playing. We hide it, maybe. We deny it. We ignore it. But we play with it. Why? Because that's our real character. Listen, if you're here and you're born again, and your life is not distinctively different than the world around you, there is a problem in your life with character because you can't follow Christ and and look like the world act like the world now listen to me you're either going to be more of that you're going to struggle more you know what's going to happen if you stay that way you're going to get a few years down the road and you're out on your own and you're trying to figure some things and you're going to go to church sometimes well why would that happen I grew up in church because you're becoming what you are And even though you're here, your life is really entangled with a lot of the things of the world and sin. And in fact, to some degree, you're chasing after it often. You want that relationship that shouldn't be that way. You want those things and and the acceptance that you know can't ever last. And so you do whatever it takes to get them, even though you profess Christ as your Savior. Could I say to you today, you have a decision to make about today that's going to affect the rest of your life. Either way you make it. If you say this, listen, I, I know that I need to get my life untangled from things and, and that this path that I'm on, you get whatever's on the path you're on, but this path that I'm on is not going to lead me to, to an abundant life in Christ. It's not going to lead me to, to joy. It's not going to lead me to victory. It's not even going to lead me to great things. I know that. I need to get, look, you have a decision to make. You're either going to say that and you're going to begin to make the choices or you're going to make a decision today to do nothing and stay like you are. You see, you'll become more of what you are today unless you make a clear choice to take a different path altogether. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said this. We're not getting off this. We're going that way. We don't care what everybody else says. This is who we are. And you have to make a decision. Not just about how cool you're going to be in high school. By the way, the coolest people I knew in high school, other than me, of course, 
are not so cool anymore. You know what they do? This is weird. You know what a lot of them do? I'm going to give you an insight into your future. <clears throat> they're 50 and 60 years old trying to act like they're still 18. They're chasing the latest cool. You know how stupid they are? I'll tell you how stupid they are. They know jokes like, what do you call a gorilla with earmuffs? <laughs> you call them dad jokes. I call them bad jokes. And they're running around trying to relive something that never was real. You want to know why? Because they're becoming what they are. Because their future is who they are. Young people, listen to me. You would squander all you've been given when as a believer growing up in a church, you don't give your life to Christ without reservation and become a person of his character and begin to live it now. Some of you may need to make a decision today about obedience to Christ in your life as believers. Some of you are here and don't know Christ as your savior. You may even have said a prayer, but you know really there's no connection between you and him. And you need to understand that that path just goes where it goes and that tomorrow if you ignore it, you'll be more lost or bound. It'll just keep binding you and binding you. You'll even convince yourself that you're saved or try to when you're not. And today you need to make a decision about having Jesus Christ as your savior, to acknowledge that you're a sinner, and to recognize that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and that he came and paid the penalty in full for your sin and that he offers to you by grace through faith his life and his holiness in place of yours, full forgiveness forever and new life for eternity. But that life can't start just because you exist today. If you don't make a decision to receive Christ today, you make a decision to reject Christ today and you're going to be tomorrow more of what you are today. This truth is true of you even if you're good kids. I'll tell you one story. I have three children and I do love them all. I've loved them at various times more than other times but my oldest daughter was a middle kid, and she was the good kid. Every family has one. How many of you are like the perfect kid in your family? Nice. I like liars. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like... <laughs> that was a setup, wasn't it? That was terrible. She was that kid, though. In fact, I can remember years ago, she was about five or six, I was teaching junior church. We gave a little invitation. The girls went with the lady we called Aunt Marge. My daughter came out weeping. I mean, just bawling, uncontrollably. I hold her in my arms. She weighed about 12 pounds until she was 40. But, well, she's not 40 yet. But, uh, but um, uh, And she's just bawling. I'm like, sweetheart, are you okay? She goes, and She basically said she got saved about six years old. And you'd believe it if you watched her life. She's the one who never got in trouble. She was really super like tender hearted. Like I could come home, walk into her bedroom, I could go like this. I know what you did today. She'd go, 
I'm sorry, Daddy. And I'd say, why did you do it? I don't know. I just Tell me what you did. Well, I did. That's what I thought. I had no clue. She's like, am I going to get spanked? No, I think you've punished yourself enough. <laughs> just sit here, and when you're done crying, come out and eat dinner, you know. Way to go, Dad. She graduated from high school, went off to Heartland Baptist Bible College, completed her first year, came home, and that summer worked at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp. And we were uh, in Colorado at that time on the west side of Denver, kind of rebuilding a church for a few years. And so she'd come home every Sunday from camp. And one Sunday she came home, and some of you will remember this name, probably none of you, but some of them. Uh, Brother Clyde Spain was preaching. We had him in, he was preaching at camp, and he was preaching at church that night. So I finished the message, and I went up to the altar, and I knelt down, and I was praying. And as I'm praying there, I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I look up, and there's my oldest daughter, Weeping, broken. My immediate thought was this there is a young man that's going to die today. <laughs> I stood up and I said, Sweetheart, what is the matter? That's what she said to me. I'm all empty inside. So what are you talking about? She goes, Dad, I know I did something with Aunt Marge when I was a kid. And she said, But every night I go to bed and I say, This God, if I'm not saved, save me, please, please, save me, please. I can't live this way any longer. She knelt down at the altar with me and in, in brokenness, really, she asked the Lord to save her. And I'm going to tell you, this good kid's life changed. You know why? Because who she was changed. People would say this, and there's something different about her. They could never figure it out because, I mean, they, she'd tell them, but they wouldn't have known. They would have always assumed. But you know, if she hadn't come to this point where she made this decision, that lack of salvation would have ultimately consumed her life because you're becoming what you are. She stood up after we were done. I asked her to give her testimony to our church. She stood up weeping and said this. She went through her whole testimony and said, you know, I lay in bed at night. I, I mean, I know... I'm not saved, and I've been trying so hard to just make it become true some other way. But now tonight, I know I'm saved. It's settled for me. She sat down, and I said this in our church. Well, I mean, if it could happen to her. Because I'm not kidding. This is the girl who, if I'd have taken the whole youth group and put them on the platform... And I would have said to the church, there's one that's saved and all the rest are lost. Pick the ones that's saved. Everyone would have picked Kimberly. That night she got saved. And so I said, if it could happen to her, and maybe there's someone else, a 65-year-old woman, been in the church since before I was there, walked an aisle that night and asked Christ to save her. Her life changed. Her future changed because she made a decision now to become something new today. Because tomorrow, you're going to be more of what you are. And not only more, but you're going to be more solidly fixed into your patterns of living. And young people, many of us in this room today, 
We need to make decisions that sound like what Daniel said. We need to make decisions to change today our passions and change today our desires and change today the purpose of our life and the condition of our heart. We need to make a decision today to have the mind of Christ, today to be renewed so that tomorrow we can become more of that and we can become more of that because you're becoming more of what you are every day. And you're either moving towards Christ, having made a clear decision, or you're moving away a little bit at a time because your clear decision is, I'm not going to give all to Jesus. It's undeniable. You don't have to like it. But tomorrow you're going to be more of what you are today. And if that's not what you should be, the answer is to make a decision right now that changes who you are right now. Because it'll be harder tomorrow. And it'll be harder the next day. And if now's the time, today's the day. Your life will still unfold. And you'll decide who you are 30 years from now by the decision you make today about Jesus Christ. Is he my savior? And is he my master? And is he my mind? Is my mind renewed after him? And those will be either yes or no. And they'll affect the rest of your life. So you already know what if God could sit in your chair and make the decision for you, you already know what he'd do. You already know what you need to do concerning your life now and going forward. You already know it. The question is, right now, will you bow before God? Will you come to an altar? Will you go to your pastor or youth pastor and say, I need to, I need to make a decision. I need to be changed. I need some help. I need a different future than the path I'm on with Christ. And I want to call you, I want to encourage you, even charge you to make a decision about Christ today that changes the rest of your life in his image. Stand with me.